CICD, I think, is the, the future. They're trying to solve the research problem in organizations. These kind of challenges that someone can't do what they want to do. And and I think the one that stuck out to me the most is just the amount of, like, actually having passion and care. Today on the show, we have Yep Vergoti, and he's an account executive at ContentFlow, um, and he's also the co-founder of Campo, which is really interesting. I actually came across him through one of his Medium posts that he had around what he learned in 2018. And a lot of the items that he listed on there were items that I very much resonated with, things like building your online personal brand and being able to learn new skills to keep your brain kind of active, right? So it's really cool to have him on the show today. And I'm really excited to talk to him a bit more about his history, what he's been doing in the, the space of founding his own company and also sharing any struggles and challenges he's faced thus far. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, Yermel. Awesome. And to start, um, very general question, but I wanted everybody to kind of get an idea of who you are and what you do. So can you tell us a bit more about who you are and um, how did you get into the tech industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I grew up in Europe, in Belgium, with the, the country of chocolate and fries and beer, uh, which is fun and amazing. My family's still there. I went to college, studied finance and economics. I always liked, you know, numbers and, and selling things. I mean, I'm that kind of kid, uh, you know, with a little stand, not lemonade, but I would sell, um, seashells on the end at the Belgian seaside, um, and so I studied economics, uh, always have been interested in business, like I said. And then, okay, so I did my master's dissertation. Uh, you know, you have to write this big document that kind of concludes your education. Um, and I was like, okay, what do I want to work on for a year, uh, for a full year and write about? Um, and I was already interested in startups because let's put it this way, you know, the Belgian startup ecosystem is not that strong. There's maybe two or three companies that are uh, sizable and a lot of very, very small seed startups. Um, and I was, I mean, I like, I like the people that have an idea and then act on it and do it. Um, so I was already, you know, hanging out with a lot of people that were doing things. Uh, I wouldn't call them necessarily call startups, but small side hustles or businesses or were helping their parents out that were, uh, you know, that had their own business. And I was like, okay, let's do it about, um, Let's do my dissertation about startups and uh, VC and more specifically about the ecosystem uh, that exists here in Belgium. And let's look at the ecosystem that exists in Silicon Valley and let's see uh, what the biggest differences are and what the biggest drivers are to make this thing grow, uh, this ecosystem. Like what is the biggest driver to not create a Silicon Valley, but just like create your own ecosystem and what, you know, what are the seeds we have to plant now? So we have a more mature ecosystem in 10 or 15 years. Um, I found a professor who was willing to work with me and um, that resulted in me going to San Francisco with that professor for like three weeks and interviewing about 30, 35 founders from the Netherlands and Belgium, which was great, right? I mean, I just, you know, all my friends were writing uh, back at home and I was in San Francisco, uh, just meeting all these cool people that had started companies and moved to the Bay Area to uh, grow their companies. Um, it was amazing. I mean, that was uh, that was really eye-opening for me because, I mean, I had traveled to the States a lot before with my parents. I had traveled to San Francisco, but I had never seen the business side of it or the startup side of it. And 
I got to see all these guys and it really was like, okay, this is amazing. I want to get to know these founders better because they have amazing stories. They're doing really cool stuff. And um, they, don't, they don't just talk about it. They do, you know, they do. They just go for it, uh, which is something I really appreciated. And with some of those guys, I just, you know, send an email. Uh, I was like, after the meeting with the professor, you know, we would go and interview them. After I sent them an email, like, hey, you want to go for a beer? And most of them said yes. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Learned a lot there. Um, some of them were like, hey, what are you doing when you graduate uh, in six months? And I was like, well, I'm coming to work. You know, I'll work for you. And they were like, okay, cool. Let me know uh, when, you, you know, once you're finished. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> So then at one point, I um, kind of during my finals, um, I booked a flight in between two, uh, two big uh, exams and um, went to San Francisco for a week. And just before I, you know, I took the flight, I emailed all the guys I talked to uh, and kept in contact with the founders. I was like, hey, I'm coming to San Francisco for interviews with a couple of startups. I had nothing on the calendar yet. Uh, so I was like flying there without, without anything on the calendar, but I was like, okay, let's hope something, you know, some of them will talk to me. And that's what happened. Like four or five of them were like, yeah, come into the office. Uh, we're really looking for someone, um, you know, someone, you know, to, to start out, uh, and you know, it was different departments. And that's how I got to know, uh, the founders, uh, Louis and PJ of uh, Showpad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, um, yeah, they were amazing. And I was really, really impressed by how far the company, you know, where the company was, which stage it was, and how fast they were going. Um, they offered me a job there in the San Francisco office, which, of course, I took. Uh, I was so happy, and I flew back, still had to finish, you know, a couple of exams, but then traveled over the summer and then started working as an SDR, so in nice. sales yeah. uh, at Showpad. Um, that was in the end of 2015. Cool. Was it kind of like a culture shock going from like being in Belgium and then all of a sudden you're in Silicon Valley? Um, I'd say the, the the biggest shock was the way I could almost not believe it. I was like, this is too good to be true. Right. One, the salary was a lot higher than, you know, mm-hmm. what I could have made in Belgium. Um, also, it's sales. So you get commission and that, you know, that's right. all a lot of fun Two, the, the way of life. I, 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 it was, it's very different that very different than what I've, ever experienced before because in belgium you know think about a little bit like london it's dreary it's mm-hmm. cloudy it's cold people hop in their car drive to work uh, you know it's 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 totally different just the weather and the culture and the 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 the, the, the crazy ideas of silicon valley yeah, you feel it every day and um it was a different way of life uh yeah it was definitely a very different way of life for sure yeah i can't even imagine that it must be like night and day in some sense yep yep it's, yeah i had to adapt for a little bit i was like okay is, yeah. this, is this for real like is this or is this just like is everybody like just running a show here or is this and right. it, it was just yeah. the way people live you know it's very right. balanced uh, very focused on health um and and still hard work and crazy ids and it was like this is fun yeah yeah. So since you're kind of around that environment of like Silicon Valley, so like everybody has these great ideas and they want to ex- ex- execute on them. Um, was that kind of like what inspired you to start building side projects, would you say? Um, at that time, it wasn't uh, as I was so uh, committed, like or so into my work. Uh, right. I, I felt like I, I got, you know, he handed me an opportunity, the CEO and the founder that I really wanted to deliver on. 
Um, and it was a challenge. It wasn't easy. It was not like I was just, you know, nailed the job from day one. It was like, okay, I have to hit my quota. I really have to put an extra right. effort. I have no experience. Um, I haven't sold software B2B yet. Mm-hmm. What am I going to tell this VP marketing or VP sales? What do I know, right? right. <laughs> uh, I'm this 22, 23 year old uh, and these people have so much experience. Um, but they teach you, I mean, they, they, of course, the company uh, taught me a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I was really focused on that, definitely in the beginning. But let's say, you know, after a while, it starts to go a little bit more easily because you just you know, you ramp up really quickly, you learn. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking around a little bit. Okay, what do I, you know, what am I interested in and what could I do on the side? But I wasn't, I didn't have any big plans at that time. I did see online and on your, on your personal profile online that you did, you were the, you are the co-founder of a startup called Campo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me more about what Campo is all about and what you guys are trying to achieve uh, by offering that solution? Yeah, sure. So what we noticed, um, so me, I started it with a co-founder, um, and that was kind of by the end, you know, I was in San Francisco for about a year and a half. Towards the end, uh, I was going out into nature a lot. And I met a lot of people that were doing the same. Uh, did a lot of hip camp. Um, and we met a lot of landowners. Uh, mm-hmm. Landowners that own land around San Francisco. Um, and we were like, okay, this is interesting. Because the stories we're hearing from them is, is like, okay, I own land. Mostly it's a vacation uh, you know, vac- little vacation paradise. They they own a property in the city and own property outside of the city, but they pay taxes on that property, that mm-hmm. vacation uh, property. And a lot of them were looking for a way to monetize um, that property. You know, to, to to because there's you know you're paid off taxes. It's just sitting there. You use it a couple of weekends a year, but you don't want it to cost too much. Right. Um, and we were like, okay, maybe there's something there. Maybe we could. Maybe we could build a solution um, that would drive revenue to them, and you know, and more than enough revenue for us to also make money off of it and make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of planted seed uh, for us to start Campo, which then evolved into we go to private landowners, we tell them like, hey, um, we understand you're paying a lot of taxes, we can help you. Maybe you make homestead products. It's pretty hard to market them if you're upstate or you know if, if you're around the city, not in the city. What if we drive traffic to your plot of land that we set up glamping camps and we get you know the people from the city uh, come to your land and just drive revenue and you get a percentage of the revenue. We take a percentage and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the, that's the 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 core of uh, what we do. When you started kind of thinking about this idea, were you kind of like prepared? as to what it meant to like build a product like did you already have a solid feeling of like okay first i need to develop like the app and then second i need to grab some customers and get some beta people like what was your thought process in going through all of that and like how long did it take for you to actually from the the moment where the idea came to be to it being something that people were using um my idea was very much from because i was doing sales and i always think about you know if i see something i'm like okay we could you know sell this or grow this or uh, i think from a business perspective so i wasn't like really thinking like okay we have to build a product immediately for me it was more like let's go talk to a bunch of people uh, and see what they want you know sell it before you make it uh, before you build it Mm -hmm. um the first thing we made was like an instagram account uh to see if there was demand from the consumer side right from the people in the city to go to the places that didn't exist yet um so we kind of like threw up an instagram account and um started uh, posting a bunch of stuff um, with some guides just to see 
what would happen and, and run some small ads and, and A-B tests just to see what the, what the reaction was. And that was, uh, that was uh, let's say, that was not a product, but that was the first test of like, okay, what's, what's there? What are we hearing uh, from the market? And um, of course, on the other side, there was talking to the landowners, seeing mm-hmm. what kind of terms we could negotiate, because of course, that would make or break the business. Um, and that way, yes, we would go out and talk to a lot. Just really talk to a lot, a lot of people. Cool. And I, 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 would, I would assume those would, be, well, those would be considered kind of like your, um, in a sense, maybe like these champion people that are influencing Campo from very early on. Um, are those currently users of Campo today or were they kind of more like users to inform the direction of Campo? Um, I'd say they're more of the users to inform. Uh, they definitely shaped how we how we thought about it. We, yeah. we kind of like approached mm-hmm. it like, okay, let's just make a list of assumptions we have about this idea and this market. Mm-hmm. And let's try to go over each and every one of those assumptions uh, by go to talk to the audience uh, the assumption applies to and try to, you know, see if this is true. Uh, are we just thinking this or is this wrong? What does the, what does the real world look like? Um, and I think there, a lot of people really helped with, 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 you know, telling us that's totally wrong. That's not how things work. And that we would also see like, that's absolutely not how things work. And then you learn, right. And you you learn a lot by doing, by just talking to a lot of uh, potential customers and whereas the landowners, um, and, uh, by doing that, we were able to, to debunk a ton of those assumptions. And I'm very happy we did that early on before we started building. Otherwise we would have built something totally different. And uh, yeah. we would have we would have had you know to switch at one point eventually. Yeah, that's super true, and I think that's good advice for anybody that has an idea and is wondering if it's actually a viable idea. Um, it's definitely to get those that that early feedback and that early direction. Um, hopefully, qu- quickly in the beginning, um, so that you can keep moving. Because if you do end up building something that's not even it's not the true solution um, and you're just, like mm-hmm. you said, making assumptions and not testing those assumptions or at least getting feedback on those assumptions. Um, you could be re- building for the wrong people. You could be building the wrong product or the wrong features. So definitely being able to catch everything early um, really kind of sets you up from success from the get-go rather than you have to having to like backtrack and being like, oh, wow, I should have talked to <laughs> talked to like five people before launching this um, because I now I have the wrong product out there. Uh, yeah. So it's really important yeah. for and- sure. And super practically, how we did that was we had our Instagram account, mm-hmm. which was, you know, growing every day. We just DM'd a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we're like, hey, uh, we you're following us. You seem like an advocate for whatever on the consumer mm-hmm. side for outdoorsy, outdoorsy, um, you know, people that live in the city. We, we'd like to buy you coffee. Yeah. And then just sat down with 40, 50 people, bought them coffee, uh, spent a lot of money on coffee. <laughs> but um, Lucky, co- lucky coffee just, shop that you went to. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just, just ask questions, right, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, do 20% of the talking and let them just talk, mm-hmm. talk, 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 and just listen, uh, and record and then re-listen and try to distill, yeah. um, your, the, the, distill, uh, the, the, the key points from what they're saying, right. their pain points. Yeah, for sure. Hey, this is Irma, the host of the podcast. And I just wanted to say thank you for taking a listen to season two of the podcast. This season, if you didn't know, we're switching our focus to showcase founders. Founders are everywhere. They create businesses, they create jobs, 
But with all of that comes a lot of learnings and challenges. So this season, we're sort of creating a founder's guide or a handbook for you and for your journey. So make sure you follow along with each episode this season to learn here about the ups and downs of becoming a founder. You can subscribe to get notified each time we release a new episode by going to don'tcrushitalone.com. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love if you leave a review and share the episode with friends or colleagues or acquaintances or just anyone. We'd love to get the show more exposure and you can help us do that. Our show is available on your favorite podcasting platform as well. And to learn more about those platforms, please visit don'tcrushitalone.com. If you have any feedback on what you'd like to hear more of this season, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at podcast at justirma.com.